0: Coming to you a bit late this week, since I was out of town last weekend, and with my girls officially being out on summer vacation, I have just been relishing in taking my sweet time to get back into the swing of things. I went live on Instagram this morning, which I do every Friday at 10 a.m. Central. You can join me there live each week to ask your biggest questions about this oh-so-lucrative world of romance novels. And for today's live session, in light of being quieter and slower than usual with my content this week, I took it as an opportunity to remind everyone working in this industry to remember to take breaks like this from time to time. You know, whether you're an author who's juggling writing with marketing your books and growing your audience or you're a big self-publisher who's juggling a whole team of freelancers and multiple pen names, any way you go, you're going to have a lot of spinning plates and And it's okay from time to time to make the choice to stop and put a few of those plates down so nothing gets dropped and broken. It can be easier said than done. But I find that the hardest part about it is just giving yourself permission to do that in the first place. So if you're in need of a break, give yourself permission to take one. That's what gives you staying power, which you need more than ever in a fast-paced industry like ours where the market is always changing. In fact, on that note, some big changes are rolling out on Amazon KDP categories, which I'll be diving into a bit with you today. And along with that, I'm going to be weighing the pros and cons of self-publishing versus more traditional or indie routes because I tell you when big changes like this come at you out of nowhere it can be very overwhelming sometimes and it might make you wonder why self-publish at all like why not just let a publisher with a bigger budget and more marketing power and reach handle all of these things for me. So I'm going to be answering all of those questions and more for you today so let's get to it. Welcome to The Business of Romance, the podcast that helps you turn your passion for romance novels into profits. I'm your host, May, also known as the Romance Fiction Queen, and I'll be joining you here each week to serve up my industry expertise and insights from this lucrative world of writing and self-publishing romance novels. Listen in for practical tips and strategies on writing to market, mastering self-publishing, and becoming the ultimate romance fiction queen. Let's get started. All right, so this episode is coming to you a bit late this week, but I promise it's going to be well worth the wait because we're covering a lot today. This one is jam-packed, so let's not waste any time and get straight into it. So the self-publishing world is buzzing today with the news of Amazon KDP category changes, but another big thing happened in the industry this past week, which to be honest has nothing to do with romance fiction, but I can't help but address it. So Scribe Media, which is a big player ghostwriting and book coaching company in Austin, Texas, laid off 90 employees and shut down last week. Now, if you've never heard of Scribe Media before, you might be somewhat familiar with one of its founders, who was none other than Tucker Max, an author and public speaker who wrote the book. I hope they serve Year in Hell, which was actually made into a movie that I admittedly did not watch. And more recently, the company handled a huge bestseller with David Goggins, who is an American ultra-marathon runner, ultra-distance cyclist, triathlete, public speaker, and author, plus retired United States Navy SEAL, who actually turned down a six figure traditional publishing deal and hired Scribe Media to publish his book, Can't Hurt Me, which went on to be a New York Times bestseller with over 2.5 million copies sold. So Scribe Media, prior to the shutdown, was a huge player in the industry and one of the more elite services in the ghostwriting realm. They were charging their clients rates of tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars, though I learned after this shutdown, I think they actually started trying to lower their rates in more recent years. They wouldn't touch fiction, so that's why I said they have nothing to do with romance fiction. They were really capitalizing on that non-fiction route with books like you know, what you saw with David Goggins and Can't Hurt Me. Once upon a time, they were certainly a gold star in my mind and like a source of inspiration for me when I first started doing consulting work for ghostwriting agencies. In fact, fun story, I actually interviewed with the company at one point in time, which without getting into too much detail was probably one of the most uncomfortable and upsetting interview processes that I have ever been through, which is one of the reasons this news stood out to me so much. I was up for the job with them in early 2021, which would have meant a huge relocation and change for me and my family. So when I heard about the shutdown, and you know, this is happening just two years after that, I had one of those big gush of relief moments, just like, oh, thank God I didn't get that job because we'd be screwed right now. But the shutdown was a shock to many people, including Scribe's own employees, who, judging by the news and things that I've seen floating around on LinkedIn, had no idea this was coming. So they've been left without work pretty unexpectedly. Many of them didn't know until the official announcement was made via email which is a pretty shitty way to let someone know they're losing their job. And that email apparently stated, Based on unforeseen business circumstances and faltering business based on unavailability of additional capital, Scribe is forced to shut down its operations and lay off employees at our Austin location on May 24, 2023. So employees almost instantly lost access to their email accounts and their health insurance, No one received any severances, and the word is that freelancers of the company still haven't received any kind of official notification of the shutdown, other than what they have obviously heard. So Scribe's website, on the other hand, is still live and doesn't give a single mention of the shutdown, but apparently employees were somewhat tipped off that something was off when there was a recent payroll issue. But it is important to note, though, that many other ghostwriting agencies are thriving right now. This definitely seems to be an isolated incident with their specific business model and practices rather than signs of trouble in the market as a whole. And I can tell you, I have seen this happen to other ghostwriting agencies firsthand. So the thing with a ghostwriting agency is it can be extremely profitable and should have very low overhead. But a common mistake that gets made in any business, but particularly, I've seen it a lot with ghostwriting agencies, is to scale too fast. So in a ghostwriting business, you have to put initial payments on projects on reserve and nothing gets paid to anyone unless it's coming out of that reserve. And all of the work has already been approved. So when you start to gamble with that and dip into those reserved funds before everything's finalized, That's just one of the ways that it can snowball into trouble really fast. So I have no idea if that's what's happened with Scribe specifically or not, but it's still a super interesting development, to say the least. Maybe we'll be hearing more about what exactly happened in the months to come. But in other news, KDP, as I said, has just rolled out some big changes with its categories. So this has everyone talking today. The change is this. So while Amazon KDP authors used to be able to select up to 10 categories to publish a single book in, this has now been limited to only three, three categories, which has everyone a bit shook. And some people are anticipating that this will have a major impact on how easy it's been up until now to rise to the top of the charts in certain niche. So while you used to be able to take a strategy of publishing in a few more competitive categories like contemporary romance, for example, and combine that with smaller low competition categories to help with your visibility on the charts in those niche categories, you now only have three opportunities with your categories. So the stakes are a lot higher now on making those three categories count. So in light of all this, what's the best way to choose categories for your self-published books? My go-to tool is Publisher Rocket, It functions like a search engine and can help you analyze exactly which categories are your safest bets in terms of demand versus competition. Important now more than ever with changes like these happening in KDP. But as I said earlier, when changes like this happen, it leaves a lot of people to wonder: like, what's the benefit of self-publishing versus traditional publishing? Because these changes can have a major impact on your publishing business's revenue. And when they roll out like this, it feels sudden and out. your control and really overwhelming so recently i found myself revisiting this battle of self publishing versus traditional publishing and in fact if you follow me on social media you may have seen me posting about how i had found an indie publisher that i actually didn't hate and i decided to put a plan in place to submit to them and see what happened before moving forward with the originally planned publication date of the first book in my Wildwood Small Town Romance series. But as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, I've had a lot more time than usual off work or with a lighter workload over this past week because I've been taking a bit of a break. I still work during my breaks sometimes. But during that time, I really started to second guess that decision. So with all of that fresh on my mind, I want to talk you through my thought process on it and why I might still opt for self-publishing over submitting to a more traditional publisher. So a good way that I like to sum up my usual feelings about traditional publishing, it comes with a little bit of a story. So I attended this conference last year. And after the conference, someone posted in the corresponding Facebook group, this flowchart that they had taken the liberty of making very well intentioned, this is not meant to speak ill of the person who made this chart at all. This flow chart was meant to simplify the steps that you need to take to get traditionally published. And y'all, that chart made me laugh so hard because it was a tangled mess. And what made me laugh even harder is that the creator of this chart mentioned something about you could easily edit this to make another version for self-publishing. And I thought, oh my God, like you don't even need a chart for self-publishing. Not really. It's like pretty fucking simple. You write the book, you publish it at the end. In its essence, that's all it is. Obviously, a lot more strategy and marketing needs to go into it. But you could say the same thing for trying to get traditionally published too. The difference is that chart of the process all by itself didn't even leave enough room for all of those additional strategic choices you have to make. It was so full and complicated enough just to cover the process alone. The process of self-publishing, however, is so very simple. So aside from the simplicity of it, here are some other things that I think about. The biggest one being money, your profits, so the average advance right now in any genre is in the five dollars to $10,000 range, but for romance authors, it's on the low end of that or even lower. We're talking $5,000 or less. And keep in mind, most traditionally published authors don't make anything beyond that initial advance. And your royalty payouts, if you even get to a point of receiving those, meaning that your book has sold more than the advance paid to you, which actually doesn't happen in many cases, those royalties are pretty low. Like we're talking six to 8% maybe, which is a hard sell in comparison to Amazon KDP, which allows you to choose between a 35% or 70% royalty payout. So the other issue with that low advance is the frequency of how often you can expect to receive that kind of check from your publisher. So, the development and editing process is so lengthy and drawn out in traditional publishing. The book launch timeline itself is so drawn out that authors are only putting out maybe one to two books a year. If anyone has a different stat on that, you are more than welcome to reach out and correct me, and I will let everyone know. I'm saying one to two books a year based on what I see coming out from the traditionally published romance authors that I follow, which is, I suspect, why the Average income for a romance novelist right now is rumored to be only around $10,000. So, just for reference, a romance ghostwriter can easily make a minimum of $24,000 a year if you are doing a new book for your client every single month. I had $4,000 $4000 a month sometimes in my prime ghostwriting days which was a lot of money for me at the time. So, as for self-publishers, I know clients making as much as 30k a month. Others on the lower end are making around 400 to 800 a month for older books and 1800 a month at least for new releases. So that's just for one book. If you have a catalog of 40 books, for example, you can easily have an average 20k a month. So for me, it's pretty hard to justify giving up the potential of 20 or 30k months for a $5,000 advance. So why do some romance authors do it? It used to be that getting traditionally published meant that you weren't as responsible for the marketing of your book. The publisher handled the bulk of that for you. But now some publishers won't even publish you unless you already have an active, engaged following and audience and they're expecting you to do majority of the marketing on your own. So if you take away the marketing, what benefits are actually left? All I can think is that some authors, I think, might still be stuck in that mentality of self-publishing somehow being like less respectable than traditional publishing. But remember, I struggled to find the exact number on this. I was just looking at it yesterday and now I can't find it. But the percentage of best-selling romances on Amazon that are self-published is at least 50%. I want to say it was actually a little over, maybe 60%. But in recent years, this idea that self-publishing was lowbrow or not as respectable as traditional publishing, that is really on a hard and steady decline. The biggest reason being that people are realizing how overly complicated traditional publishing is, how the benefits for that, like marketing, are dropping off, and how you can make way more money. Through self-publishing. I do understand that some authors may just want that feeling, that validation that a professional publishing house you know, see something in their work enough to want to invest in it. I definitely get that. And ultimately, it's a very personal choice. You have to look at what you want out of this journey and what your goals are and then decide from there. But for me, from a business perspective, I got to say, the more I think about it, the less inclined I am to go the traditional publishing route. Originally, I thought, well, it doesn't hurt to submit and then see what happens. But the particular publishing house that I was looking at wants a much higher word count than I typically write in, which I'm curious about because I base my word count on what's selling well on Amazon and what's getting the most page read-throughs in romance right now, which by the way is 50 to 60K words. So it's actually a lot more time and energy put into it and then a lot of waiting, all to potentially get stuck with a book that's 30K longer than I'd like for it to be. So to me, every day that I'm not publishing, I'm losing out on potential money. That, from that business perspective, self-publishing still seems like the way to go. From a creative and artistic perspective and the more emotional side to it, I mean look, writing a novel is hard enough on its own. That's a lot of work to go through to leave it in the hands of someone else to decide if anyone gets to read it or not and then to not pay you as much for it even if they do take it. To me, if you feel the call to write, it's because the world needs your stories. Someone out there needs the story that only you can tell and we don't Need this big, long, convoluted process to make that happen. It can be as simple as write your story, and you publish it, you share it with the world, and then you do it all over again. So, if you feel the same way and you're ready to start self publishing, or maybe you're intrigued by the booming ghostwriting business, which I've mentioned. A few times today, and you're wanting to get started in that. It's an exciting time right now because doors to my romance fiction Queens community are actually open. I expected them to be closed by the time I recorded and released this episode, but someone actually was kind enough to notify me of some payment issues on the site. So I resolved those and decided it was only fair to leave doors open a little longer for anyone else who wants to join. They won't open again until this fall, and every time I open it to new members the price goes up so jump on this now by going to fictionqueen.com slash rfq membership and you'll find that link in the show notes as well so that wraps up episode six of the podcast can you believe we're already halfway through the first season of this baby man time flies when you're having fun all right my queens i'll see you back here next week I promise I'll try to be on time with the next one. Have a great weekend and happy writing. Well, that's all she wrote for today's episode of The Business of Romance. I hope you enjoyed adding to your toolkit for how to turn your romance writing into a profitable business. If you want to continue your journey towards becoming a successful romance fiction queen, head on over to fictionqueen.com. There you'll find tons of resources, courses, and freebies to help you build your empire. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to share it on social media and be sure to tag me so I can say thank you. And if you would be so kind, leave us a review on your favorite platform. Your support helps us reach more amazing writers just like you. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, I hope you have beautiful days filled with creativity, inspiration, and lots of money rolling in from you sharing your talent with the world.